0: Welcome to Grace Capital Church podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. Well, it's been a tough week, hasn't it? Starting Sunday night with the uh, mass shooting, um, brought a lot of sadness to our nation. Brought a lot of uh, questions for many of us. Um. One thing that we can see, though, in our world today—not only is it through the storms. Another hurricane is coming. Hurricane Nate is coming along. Uh, is going to make land um, sometime here soon. But all the storms, earthquakes, shootings—actually, just in the town of Belmont, we were ready to go to this gas station. What day was it? I can't remember. But we were heading um, over into Guilford and. We were going to get gas at um, a Irving station in Belmont, only to find we saw a bunch of ambulances and, and police cars moving, and there's a shooting right there that um, the gunman ended up taking his own life, but uh, an altercation with a police officer. and Our world is, is dark, would you agree? There's a lot of, um, actually somebody gave me a word this morning that he felt there was a lot of sadness in the room, and I think... That sadness is because of the times that we live in, and, it's, and we shouldn't stay under the cloud of darkness that we need to rise above. And today, today we're going to be talking about um, that we are going to address how do we get above the clouds, but also how do we share the only hope that we know, the only answer to any of this is Jesus Christ. Amen. So... You know, in Matthew 25, when it talks about the least of these, and by the way, thank you so much. So many of you gave um, sacrificially to um, help with the, um, the famine in southern Sudan, northern Uganda, the refugees in northern Uganda. Thank you so much. You texted to give, you know those numbers, right? Eight, four, three, two, one, and, um, and you texted any amount to the word relief, and, and you've helped provide food for those people. We've opened up a building to Family Promise. That is the least of these also. Thank you so much. Actually, there's a couple who are the recipients of that, who are now part of the Grace Capital Church family, by the way. Yeah. Ryan and Mary, good to have you guys here. And Ryan Jr., you guys staying with us again this week? Yeah. Okay, so there's, here's real tangible people who benefit um, from this ministry, and, and they found Jesus by also coming uh, through family promise. So, through here at Grace Capital Church. So, what a, what a testimony of your generosity and your faithfulness. Um, it's good. So that's some of the least of these. But I want to I want to contend with you when Jesus starts talking about the separation of the sheep and goats. And he says, as much as you've visited people in prison, as much as you've given clean water, food, in the name of Jesus, which we've talked about those very tangible things, which are important, I wonder if Jesus was also talking about the spiritually hungry, the spiritually thirsty, those who are spiritually bound up in prison. So when we start talking about this, today is the last message on this series, uh, the righteous ones, the ones on the right, and He separates the sheep from the goats, the right, puts the sheep on the right and the goats on his left. That if today we would talk about, really, let's look at the spiritual condition of people and not just the physical. The physical is so important to look at, but we have to address the physical because this world is crying for answers and the answers that we have to give them are not just physical answers. It's a spiritual answer. It's an answer of introducing them to the Savior, the hope of the world, Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Amen. Jesus is the answer. Unfortunately, we have taken as the church not always the best approach in reaching people and in trying to, what we feel like is good, oh, they need to look like us and we need to convert a bunch of people and we need to, and I want to... Start by talking about some sadness in our history of what the church has done to a group of people that I would say, let's learn from them and let's not do this. Late 1800s, when we started to, or early 1800s, we started to colonize. Now, the United States was not the United States at the time, but we started to colonize. We, we saw the Native Americans, and you'll see a picture here, and we decided that we wanted to make the Native Americans look like us. And the church was used by the government to round up all the kids, and you'll see a picture of all the kids, and put them into these schools in trying to wipe away their uniqueness and their culture in the name of Jesus. And here's another picture. And I think sometimes as the church, we we are so impassioned by What Jesus has done in us, that when we go out and try to share Jesus and become the church, then we think everybody should look like us, act like us, and in many ways, people come from a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of different history and different, even their own cultures, and we need to start with the idea is, the idea of sharing Jesus is not so they look like us. The whole heart of sharing Jesus is they've they can be introduced to a father that loves them and they can begin to understand the kingdom of God is that's the, what we should be talking about, the kingdom of God, not, hey, you need to come to church, you need to do this, 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 this. So we need to learn from that, that, that we just don't want all of a sudden get on our soapbox and say, I need to convert a bunch of people to Jesus and so we bring, drag them into church and you know, tidy them all up. Now, I believe in the church, obviously. We are the church, by the way, not the building of the church. We are the church. I believe in the gathering together. But it's really important that we don't get so hung up on that they need to look like us that we are actually doing more damage than good. Well, the other extreme, though, is St. Francis of Assisi is probably the one thing that his quote is most known for, uh, preach the gospel at all times, use words if you must, And I kind of bought that for a little while till I started wrestling with this whole idea of friendship evangelism. How long are you really a true friend of somebody before you tell them about Jesus? How long will you just love somebody before the words Jesus comes out of your mouth? If we truly, truly believe that Jesus is the answer Do we wait years until we talk about Jesus because we just want to love them into the kingdom? Now, I agree. Without love, all we are is a sounding gong. The scripture is very clear with that. We lead with love. We're going to go into this today. For those of you who are taking notes, the title of this message, Eight Tips to Confidently Talk About Jesus, Eight Tips to Confidently Talk About Jesus. For all you, I see some of you taking notes, good, put that title down. You'll be great with that one. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 10. All you Bible bringers, hold them up. Look at you, well done. All of you device Bible readers, hold them up. (laughs) Good job. Romans chapter 10. I think that there's some place between these extremes of we just love people Or we whack him over the head with Jesus. I think there's a better way. And I think it's taking both of those extremes and then looking at the way Jesus lived his life. And how the early church was birthed and how the early church modeled themselves. The early disciples and the apostles. And we're going to find this way that we can leave here today being confident that this world so desperately needs hope, and we are the carriers of the hope. We are the carriers of the hope. We're starting a new series next week called uh, The Jesus Inside, and understanding that when we ask Jesus into our life, the Holy Spirit resides in us, and that is the way that people come to know Christ because they've encountered somebody who is a follower of him and they've experienced Christ through our lives. How many people um, came to Christ through an angelic visitation only? Raise your hand. How many people came to Christ by a talking donkey? (laughs) Anybody here? Okay. We know it did kind of happen once. A donkey did talk in the Bible. How many people came to Jesus by somebody else sharing Jesus with them? And the rest of you were born into it, I guess. But you realize that people come to Christ through people. And sometimes we feel like I found Jesus and life is good, but yet we look around us and this world is dark. And there's a lot of hopelessness, a lot of pain, a lot of desperation. A lot of people looking for love in all the wrong places. And yet, we are the carriers of the answer that people are desperately longing for. But for some reason, some of us aren't so confident to be able to share their faith. And we're going to talk about that today. Romans ten thirteen says this. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. All right, I already know what you're going to be thinking by me starting this. We had a message last week about the narrow gate and the wide gate. And just, we said, just because somebody says the name Jesus doesn't mean, you know, they're going to, they're going to get in. Because we know that scripture that said, didn't we do all these things in your name, Jesus? And he says, no, I never knew you. The whole idea is here, this is when you profess Jesus, that's the beginning of your relationship with him. Everyone who calls upon the name will be saved. I also want to bring context to this. The book of Romans is written by the Apostle Paul. Paul actually was a religious guy, a Pharisee, that had a radical conversion. He was killing Christians, the very early church, those who were followers of Jesus. Well, at least he was the onlooker when Stephen was stoned. Paul was there. His name was Saul before. Saul has this... Paul. Saul, who be, later became Paul, had this radical conversion on this road to Damascus. And then he became one of the greatest advocates of Christ, wrote most of the New Testament. But here he is, he's talking to um, the Roman church. And why is he talking about this, that all who call upon the name are saved? Is because many were saying that the Jews were the only, the children of Israel were the only chosen ones. And what took place in the early churches, he realized that the gospel message that Jesus was open to everyone, the Gentiles included, which the Greeks would be considered Gentiles. Romans would have been considered Gentiles, the non-Jews anyways. And so he says, everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So there's some context there. How then will they call on him who, who have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not ever heard? And how are they to hear without somebody preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. Turn to your neighbor and tell them they're beautiful. I know you guys feel a little uncomfortable about that right now. You're part of the beautiful people. Do you know the beautiful people? You know about the beautiful people, right? You're one of them. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel of, and Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed that he has heard from us? So this is the important part right here. If, you're, if you've been sleeping, tune in now. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith comes through hearing and that means somebody has to be speaking the word of Christ. All right, we all agreed that we came to Christ and we've been growing in our relationship with him through another person. At some point in time, Faith comes by hearing. Again, remember, this world is dark, it's desperate, we've seen it. So who is going to be the one who proclaims the good news of Jesus Christ? It's going to be each one of you and I. Think about that for a moment. I, I want you to actually contemplate, to think that you are going to be used to share Jesus with somebody. Because that is the only answer for people to have faith, to have hope, is if somebody preaches. Remember, I'm not telling you to get on a soapbox. If you do that in the office and you get a chair and start preaching to all your co workers, you might get fired. Just want to let you know. But what I am saying is well, I'll tell you what I'm saying here in a few moments. I'm going to give you some tips to know how to share Jesus confidently. You see, our job is to love people and to share Jesus, and Jesus' job is to mend people's hearts. It's not our job to change people. See, anything that we can learn from the early church, well, the the way that the church treated the Indians is they they try to conform them. If it's going to be done right... Jesus will form the heart of men and women to take on the characteristics of the kingdom of God, not people who are trying to make them look a certain way, act a certain way. Our job is to love them. Remember, we start with love and then to share Jesus with them. And here's the two extremes, remember? Sharing, just sharing Jesus without love is just noise. Loving people without sharing the gospel is... There's no faith that starts to happen because faith comes by hearing the Word of God. All right, number one. I'm just going to give you some tips and a little bit of context around them, then I'm going to bring it to a biblical application of showing you how people live this out in the Bible. So I'm just not making some stuff up here. Number one start with love, respect, and acceptance. Good place to start. You have to start with loving somebody because if you're not, then you're trying to convert somebody. And that's not the point of this. The point is is you want them to experience the love of Christ and so they can come alive. They can get free from their bondages. They can find hope. They can find peace in their life. You start with love. You respect somebody for who they're at. If they're different than you, you better respect them and you accept them. You know what, it depends on where you are. If you meet somebody who's all tattooed up and pierced all up, can you understand that somebody's style? As opposed to saying, oh, you, you gotta, sorry, you're all tattooed up here. I know tattoos are kind of in these days. You should see mine. Oh, right here. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. All right, we were doing so well until I just took you down into the toilet. Come back up, come back up, come back up. All right, see, you're judging me. Love, start with love, acceptance. Accept me, please. All right. Thank you, Nate. All right, go. I like this word go. Everybody say go. I think sometimes we expect people just to show up on our doorstep and then the preacher is the one that saves people. First of all, the only one who saves is Jesus. Amen. Second of all, time and time and time again, it was those who were sent to people who were outside their religious places that Jesus went to find people who needed him. So go, meet them where they are. That means it's probably going to be at the ball field. It's going to be at work in the lunchroom. Respect your boss, please. If your boss does not want you to do certain things, especially during work hours, work hard. But before you start work, after you go to work, whatever. Number three, find the common ground. Find the common ground. I think the way that people would receive your true concern and your true love for them is actually care about what's going on in their life. You know, they're struggling being a mom or they're, you know, just faced a crisis with a family member or take time to. So this is the part of friendship evangelism I buy because it's like, be friendly, be a friend. But find out where these, there's commonality and, and to bring the point of just saying, okay, I'm understanding what your need is. So that brings us to the next place is be a listener and find a need and meet it. I think so often is, is we just talk, 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 and expect somebody to actually be open to listen to us. But we're not going to find the need if all we're doing is talk, talk, talk. So how many ears do we have? And how many mouths do we have? So I think we're supposed to probably spend more, double the time listening than we are to talking, right? I think this is the way God designed us. All right, be a listener and find a need and meet it. And by the way, the need might be something like this. You know, uh, you know, my, my family is struggling, you know, you know, just a new baby in the house and things are tight. Go buy a pack of diapers for them. Maybe it's just really, it's just like I need somebody to know that they care and it's just, it's putting a, you know, hand on their shoulders, like, how can I pray for you? By the way, I, have n- I don't think I've ever had somebody refuse an offer to pray for them, by the way. Now, I, I have, if somebody comes to me with a book and a pamphlet, I, I kind of get leery of that. I, I just, like, what are you trying to sell me? What are you trying to do? What are you like? But if somebody genuinely cares, they're very open. Five. This is where we go find that balance. See, we could go friendship evangelism and love all the way, but we end there. We don't move into number five, which is number five. At some point in time, you need to move the conversation to Jesus. And the reason why is this. Again, we're not trying to convert anybody. We're not trying to grow the church. Bring them in. What we're trying to do is we realize that their deepest need in their life is actually Jesus. Every single person on this world has this desire, even if they don't know what it is, but this emptiness without Jesus in their life. And it's going to take somebody like you to share Jesus with them. But the person needs to first be open to realize that you really care, that you're just not trying to get a notch on your belt of, I got another one, because nobody wants to be gotten, right? Right? They want to be loved and cared for and shown that there is hope and peace and love. A great way to do that is to share your own personal story. That's number six. Share your own story that leads to Jesus. Can I tell you, that's where you find the common ground. Can I tell you what took place in my life? When I was 22, a friend of my brother's came over to my living room and even though I grew up in the church, had great Christian parents, great upbringing, I still was kind of like I knew God, but I didn't really know God. I knew him in my head. This is my story. And by the way of my life, I was living for myself. I was making mistakes and I had a sketchy past, but Jesus still came to me and found me in my living room and my life changed from that moment. Let me tell you all the things that, am I perfect? No. Do I still make mistakes? Yes. But I now feel love, and I know that God has a plan for my life. Can, can I introduce you to that God who loves you, that, that Jesus who will save you? And, oh, yeah, of course. People are like, their heads start nodding, and Yes. Then the other thing is, it's like, remember, this is not a notch in your belt. This is a relationship. And now, by the way, if you've shared Jesus and they, they've come to him, don't make it, by the way, of some big formulaic prayer. You want to you wanna know Jesus? Okay, here's the nine spiritual laws and here's the what have you. and You got to say it this way. And do you remember that, that God is God? When the thief was on the cross uh, next to Jesus, The thief turned over to Jesus, said, hey, uh, would you remember me in paradise? Or would you remember me, Jesus? And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Uh, There wasn't this formulaic prayer. It really is, you want to see a heart understand what the gospel is, and you want to see them saying yes to saying, Jesus, I want you, the Lord of my life, That word Lord today is also weird, so don't kind of use weird language. People aren't going to get you. You just want to say, you know what? Jesus is the answer for your life, and he wants to be the one directing your life. He wants to fill those crevices of your heart that seem so empty and broken. He wants to heal you. By the way, people don't want to... um, We talk about brokenness, but nobody wants to be labeled broken, we've got to be really careful of the language that we use uh, with people. That's why it's like really discerning to ask the Holy Spirit to say, God, how do you, how do you want me to, to speak? What do you want me to say? Stay in relationship, helping them on their journey. This is not a one and done. This is a let me introduce and then let me help you grow. It's a follow-up. That's what discipleship is. And then number eight, leave the results up to God. Stephen, I want to give you some really good encouragement, by the way. This is a great story of encouragement. So Stephen, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, preached an amazing message to the religious guys and then was dragged out of town and stoned to death. Encouraging, right? <laughs> All right, maybe not so. But but leave the results to God. Still be faithful to God and what the Holy Spirit's asking of you, but leave the results up to God. And by the way, if somebody says, hey, I'm, I'm not that kind of person, you know, just give me some space. Respect them. Give them space. And by the way, still be a great friend to them. Because, by the way, they're not rejecting you. They're, they're just at a place that they're not yet ready to receive the, the gospel message. And by you just still being friends with them, there will come a point in time where they realize, when somebody faces crisis, who do they go to? They go to the Christians. Because they do know that you carry something that other people don't carry. They carry the hope of Jesus, even though they don't know what it is that you carry. And there'll be a point in time, they'll come back to you and they'll say, hey, this is what I'm going through. Would you, would you pray for me? So I'm going to just share with you a few stories. Uh, Jesus feeding the 5,000. When he, Jesus was on earth, he would always look for the physical need first. He would go to meet the physical needs. A bunch of people who are hungry. Let me feed you first, and then let me tell you about the... Uh, the greater food that's really going to feed you. Woman at the well. Hey, uh, find common ground. Hey, I noticed that you're getting water. Can I talk about the the, the water that will never run dry? I'll talk about the th- you thirsty, but the thirst that will completely be th- uh, um, quenched. Dresses the need. Hey, I, I noticed your husband's not here. It's kind of weird that you're here at the well by yourself. Strange time of day for you. He understands how to bring that common conversation to actually then talk about the deeper things that are needed. I love the story of, of the Apostle Paul, who in his missionary journeys, he went around, around to a lot of places. One time he was in Athens. He was um, uh, over at the Aragopolis, I think that's kind of what it's called, but it's it was a place where all the philosophers at the time, philosophy was kind of coming on strong in in Italy at the time and, and here is, in Athens, the, t- the place where all the philosopher, philosopher, philosophers would meet. And there was a bunch of um, uh, idols and statues around. And Paul comes into this, and he makes notice of where the people are at. They love philosophy. So he starts quoting some poets of the day, finds common ground. And after that, then he says, I, I noticed one of your statues is named... You know, titled To the Unknown God. Interesting. He knew how to bridge the gap from a common, you're, they're fi- very philosophical, you're religious. Y- you obviously have some understanding there is a God because you have a statue to an unknown God here, an idol. And then he says, Can I tell you about this unknown God? He bridges the gap, he meets the need. Hey, let me talk about some f- uh, philosophy with you. Hey, let me bridge the gap. And then he shares Jesus with them. Philip, I love this one too. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Philip, who was traveling um, from Jerusalem to Gaza, and um, he meets this Ethiopian, a black guy, who was um, a eunuch who was trying to read the book of Isaiah. And the Holy Spirit already told Philip to go on this road. And then the Holy Spirit again said, hey, go to this man in this chariot trying to understand what this is. So he first meets the need, which is, hey, you trying to understand what this is? So he goes and runs to them and says, let me talk about what you're trying to understand here. He meets a need. He understands the context of where he is. He understands he was in Jerusalem, probably there to worship, but he would never be accessed to uh, the temple because he would be considered unclean because he's not whole. And yet he meets the deepest need of the person so much so they start going on and he says, well, what prevents me from being baptized? And he introduces him to Jesus and baptizes him that same day. Now, again, if you want to get a tub at work and bring somebody to Jesus and then just like, hey, lunchtime, guys, we're going to dunk you into the tub here. What (laughs) prevents you from being baptized? Um, Maybe not. Um, Or maybe so. Or maybe not. Or maybe so. You don't know what God might ask of you. I just wanted to kind of whet your appetite to to understand that the answers to this world are going to come through people like you and I. We've mentioned the suicides that have been taking place in our high schools around the area. Mass shooting in Las Vegas, a shooting up in Belmont. We live in troubled times, which makes people pretty open, by the way. Amen. People are wanting answers. People are, are inquisitive to, to understand what it is that, why do you have peace? Why aren't you freaking out? I think we're getting more excited because we feel like Jesus is coming back sooner than later, <laughs> But are you okay with spending, having people spend eternity in separation from God? Are you okay with people living a hell here on earth without knowing Jesus? I, I, will, I want us to create this desire inside of us. So I don't have all the answers. I don't know what, how God's going to orchestrate something for you. But I, I do know that he's got a plan for you. And I do know he wants to use you. And I do know that, that God is going to to speak to you and say, this, go to this person. And remember, we also said that the difference between the sheep and the goats, the sheep hear the voice of the Master, the Good Shepherd, and are, and are obedient. This morning, um, as we were worshiping, I felt, as the worship team wants to come back up, I, I felt that what I was going to ask of people, I need to do something first. Because I, what I was going to ask of you is, this is the last slide that I wanted to show you, is uh, ask Jesus to increase your love for people. And because I think it has to start there. Otherwise, it's just a religious act. And remember, it said faith, uh, well, works without faith is dead, right? Works without faith. If you're just going around trying to save people, it just works. But if you genuinely love people in response to what the Spirit of God is doing in your life, that, that's being Spirit-led. And that brings life. But as much as I want to say, we're going to get to this slide, but, but in a moment, I want us to respond to something else. And this is what I felt like I heard the voice of God share with me this morning, that, that it's pretty hard to give Jesus's love to people if we ourselves don't feel his love and don't know his love. So I want to spend a few moments as the worship team just plays something um, kind of in the background here just to allow us to remove from the distractions. I want us just to take a few moments and receive the love of God. If you are one that says, I, I don't really feel God's love, or, I don't even know God's love. I, I, I know cognitively that He loves me. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's a cognitive love. But if you've never experienced His love, or you're feeling dry from His love, just as everybody's heads um, are just kind of where your eyes closed, just, I don't care if people are looking, but just kind of in a place so you can get separated with Jesus, so you cannot be distracted. So you can take a moment to look on the inside. And if you're feeling like you need more of his love in your life, would you just stand to your feet? I'm going to stand for a moment or two just to receive his love. I'll have you sit down. I'm not going to have you go anywhere else, but just for a moment. good Father who loves you deeply. If you can move into a posture of receiving, a lot of times that's just posturing your hands open, whatever it is for you. Take a deep breath in and breathe in His presence and His love let him wash you. Let him wash you with his love. Some of you might feel a flood of emotion right now. That's okay. Because he's so crazy for you. He so wants to be connected to you and be close to your heart. He wants to Come and be a part of those deepest parts of who you are. Just receive. Some might feel a a feeling of laughter that might come because you're all of a sudden feeling like, I'm free. (laughs) I feel his love. Oh, it feels so good. Good that's okay too. When you feel like you've come to this place of receiving, you just tell him thank you. Acknowledge him and thank him for being close. Thank him for allowing you to feel him. By the way, he's never far. He's always close. The problem is sometimes we just get so wrapped up in things that we get a little numb to Him. Would the rest of you, would you just stand to your feet? Would you ask Him now for this? Ask Jesus to increase your love for people. Because if we try to share Jesus with people without loving them, it's not going to be received. It's going to appear like it's just a religious duty, an act of something. But when you can begin to pray for people and engage with people in such a way that you just want the best for them. I want to give you this last little analogy. So I had cancer and I, somebody found out that I did. They had these special pills that would cure cancer instantaneously and, and they came up to me and it's like, hey, hey, I heard you have cancer can i can i give you I, I used to have cancer and now i'm free from cancer because of this pill here, here you go do you want this pill it will cure your cancer i said absolutely i i want to be free i don't want this disease any longer i take the pill and I'm free of cancer but well, he didn't just give me one pill. He gave me a whole bottle of pills and I stuck them in my pocket. And here I am going around. I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. Meanwhile, there's all kinds of people around me who have cancer. But I just keep this bottle in my pocket. Well, I want to wait until they ask me about, about my life. I, I just want to no, I just need to be their friend for 10 years before I... They don't have 10 years! And in many ways, that's the way it is when we follow Jesus. It's like somebody gave us the cure to our sin and our desperation and our separation from God and instantaneously we are set free and instantaneously we're made whole. Now we know it's a journey to walk out our freedom and our wholeness. But instantaneously, we are changed. We're a new creation. But then we we take that and we bury it and we're like, meanwhile, there's so many people around us who want that same level of freedom, who want that love. We hold it in our pocket, and we wait, and we're shy, and, well, we don't. But you have the answer, and his name is Jesus. He's not a magic pill. His name is Jesus. But he's the great healer. He's the one who will set people free but it needs to start with deep love. See, I think when Jesus said the least of these, he's also talking about those who are so spiritually thirsty and so spiritually hungry and and those who are spiritually in prison. And he's saying, would you go and share my hope and my love with other people? So that's our prayer today. That's our prayer today. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for loving us. Let our history not repeat. Let the church's history not repeat where we're trying to just conform a bunch of people. But let us also, Lord, just not... Just be a friend, but never tell them about Jesus. But let us find that sweet spot where we love people so much that we're willing to go to great distances love them, but also to share with them the hope found in you, Jesus. Increase our boldness, I pray. Increase our boldness, I pray. Increase our love for people, I pray. Increase our spiritual sensitivity, Lord Jesus, that we might follow the leading of your Holy Spirit, that it wouldn't be works-driven, but it would be a Spirit-led encounter, Use us, we pray, to be the answer to this dark and hurting world. In Jesus' name. Amen. Church, Jesus loves you. You're a great church. Don't go into works mode, but but do respond to the Holy Spirit. Next week we're starting a new series. Called the Jesus Inside. We have a guest speaker with us next week. You do not want to miss it. You will want to be here. It is 11 o'clock, so I am dismissing you. Thank you so much for being attentive to the voice of God. Love you guys. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com.